So welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have Vicky Haddock with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you and I got to, uh, we have the same coach, by the way, right? Yes, we do. George. And uh, yeah, that's how we awesome. got to know each other. And having a coach, I think, is instrumental when you go through life. Uh, even when life is, is going well, you need a coach, but especially when it's tough times. And uh, I used to take the analogy with mountain climbing. I've done that a few times before. But um, I would not, even if I'm very well trained, I would not try to venture to climb up a very difficult mountain and uh, without to have somebody that's done it before. Uh, sure. Is that something you usually do or? Yeah, well, absolutely. Y getting the lay of the land ahead. I'm not a mountain climber or rock climber, so I can't get into that analogy. But but I always believe in finding people who traveled the road ahead of me so that they can kind of steer me around the pitfalls and the potholes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what uh, what this podcast is, uh, is about. Uh, my my last uh, couple episodes have gotten a lot of response from listeners and uh, thanking uh, the the podcast and the the interview people that it brings hope to them. Uh, we bring up subjects that uh, are difficult subjects to talk about, and uh, when you're going through life and you have hit these roadblock, and to hear other people's stories that they've also been in that spot can bring a lot of hope. And that's what I want this podcast to be, to both bring hope, but also give them tools how to get through these, these situations. And uh, you shared a little bit about your life, uh, that um, you went through a divorce in the past and uh, that uh, you went from having a, a quite toxic relationship and uh, then taking the steps to design your own life the way you love it. And uh, I'd love to hear more about that story. Yes. Well, I'd love to tell you more. And actually, I'm going to rewind and back up and tell you a little bit more than what you, we've even talked about yet. Because I think the foundation, because this is, I'll connect this in a minute, but this is just super important. So I grew up in a... Um, an extreme conservative religious group that most people would define as being a cult. Okay. So every aspect of my life was controlled from where we went on vacation to how long we stayed on vacation to the clothes that I wore to what my hair looked like. Every aspect had to align with somebody else's expectation of life, or there was like some severe consequences if, if it didn't, you know, emotional con consequences, you know, the just severe. Oh, wow. So when I was 15, my family, um, my parents and all of my siblings, but one made the choice to leave that group. Now in doing that, we were shunned by everybody and we were immediately overnight. I was disconnected from everybody who was, um, who had, I'd grown up with my cousins, my relatives, my friends, cause we you know, didn't have a lot of associations outside of the, of the church group. So overnight at 15, my world, like, screeched to a halt and then kind of slowly started up again. 
So one of the things that I had been raised with was you, you dated somebody and you got married and, and you did that at a young age. So at 19, I got married and thought I was well on my way to, you know, living this great life. And what unfolded was 17 years of misery where I was, was miserable. He was miserable. My former partner now came from several generations of alcoholism. And when we got married, he was like, I'm never going to go down that road. I saw what it did to my family yet 17 years later, I had a partner heavily involved in alcoholism and I was just in misery. So it was like, wow, what do I do now? Yeah. I've heard several of those stories as well. So it's like, um, so where did that take you? I I know that you shared that, uh, you you wanted to start it was something that triggered you to start that you wanted to design your own life yeah and in fact i didn't feel like i had any control over my life but i just knew that i was not willing to be as miserable the next 20 years of my life as i had been you know the last 20 yeah and so i had to find some change. And the motivation for that change came from this idea that I didn't want my kids to go through another generation of their life and repeat this generational pattern of alcoholism. And I knew that I had to dig deep inside of me to figure out how to support them to do that. Well, in doing that, what I, I uncovered a whole world inside of me that I didn't know was there. But what I uncovered was hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And I came into this marriage with a heck of a lot of hurts from my childhood. My former partner came into the marriage with a lot of hurts from his childhood. And we spent 17 years hurting each other. Wow. Now at that point in time, I, I probably did some blaming. I probably did some pointing of fingers saying, you know, we all do a little bit of that, I think. But I really came to understand that my role was just as great in the dysfunction and his was. And that's when I learned the word codependency and how enabling people and being allowing yourself to be controlled by people and relationship and, you know, being addicted to relationships, all these things. So that was kind of like a slap in the face to me to say, Oh my gosh, I've been blaming him and trying to get him to fix all his problems for all this time. But I never looked at what my role was in it. I, I was very codependent in my relationship, um, and uh, I, I know how much, and I did not realize that either, how much I contributed to that dysfunction, and uh, it's so interesting with psychology and how people act and how blind you can be, so but h- how did you come to that realization? Did you come to that prior to the divorce or after the divorce? 
No, it was after the divorce. I started going to Al-Anon to support the, you know, with the addiction side of things. And it was actually in Al-Anon. I was introduced to this, um, to codependency. I didn't, I don't even know if I knew that word existed. I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I I got introduced. And because I am an avid learner I then I'm like, okay, what are all the resources I can do to learn about this? And the more I learned, it was like, oh my gosh, it really began to put a lot of pieces together for me because I couldn't figure out a lot of the things that I had experienced. They just didn't make sense. And when I began to put these pieces together, wow, it was like, in, in one sense, it was very heavy because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm owning my part in this. But on the other hand, it was like, now that I can understand this, I can really understand what I need to work on to change me. Yeah. And of course, to help my kids, my kids were 7, 11, and 14 when I filed for divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually found the, the word... Um codependency i just started researching that after uh my ex-wife she went to alan on meetings and uh, she just came back after a couple of meetings and said uh, i'm an enabler and i didn't even know what that was and, uh, <laughs> she, yeah she was enabling a family member and uh, then i started to realizing the dysfunction and starting to kind of like we went to counseling. I started going to counseling. Then we ended up to have a divorce. But uh, I see so much how I contributed to the dysfunction, how I acted as a very codependent person. And can you describe codependency uh, for the listeners, what it is and what it does? So the the easiest way for me to describe codependency is overhelping other people to the point of hurting yourself. Yeah. So it's it's where you were you were giving so much of you because you think that they are not going to survive if you don't give that to them. And how that showed up in my relationship is my partner was very financially irresponsible and was one of the things. And so, you know, he would charge up a huge credit card bill or do something, you know, would, would hide it, lie it, lie to me about it. But then when I found out about it, I would be like, okay, I have to fix this. How do I fix this? I've I've got to fix it. And so I was the fixer of everything, but when you're pouring out to fix everyone else and you're not pouring back into you pretty soon, you go bankrupt yeah. your own capacity. And the thing is, if you always fix their problems, they never learn. That's right. Because uh, you don't have to learn, but that's where boundaries comes in. And, and, and it's so important to have boundaries. It's also a great disrespect to that other person because essentially what you're telling them is you're not capable of solving this for yourself. So I have to do it for you. It really puts you in almost a parent role. Exactly. Over over that person. Yeah. That they don't want you don't you don't want to be in that role. They don't want you to be in that role, but yet you end up there. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think it's so important to bring awareness to that because I was very blind to it during the relationship. And I know that the relationship could have turned a very different path if I had known about how to act and and not be codependent. But it's it's kind of like a it becomes like a mesh, and it's like a, for me it was like a big fog. It's, it's so interesting. Yes, I I think that's the fog is a great way to to do it because I I just felt like I was living in this like nightmare where I couldn't see and understand what was happening and it was like that fog. But yeah. how did you uh, like what was it that took you out of that fog? It's like uh, how did you start yeah. creating that life that you you love? Well, so I spent two years of going to counseling on and off leading up to the divorce, the aha moment for me that helped me to shift over. I was in total denial that my partner had an alcohol addiction. When I, when I finally got that, that triggered me to then say, okay, now I need to step up and figure out what comes next. So that happened. I went through divorce and then I began, um, I actually went and became certified to be an eight to great trainer. So I think like one thing in my life always leads to another. And I was understanding codependency. I found a book called the habits of happiness. Well, happiness was something I was totally unfamiliar with and wanted more of. So I loved the book. It was by um, author MK Mueller. And I looked on her website and she had a class, a training class in my area in a couple of weeks that uh, was for this program she did called Eight to Great. So I actually registered for that three-day class before I even had read the book. But in that Eight to Great book, it laid out this whole pathway. It's the eight habits of the happiest, healthiest people on earth. And it laid out this pathway of taking full responsibility for your life, for, for clearly being able to see where you want to head for resolving the issues of your past. And so it laid out this great map for me and it gave me a foundation to say, wow, life really can be different. And about that same time I was introduced to the law of attraction And, you know, there's many different versions of the law of attraction out there. But what I came to understand is there's a lot of power in what you speak. There's a lot of power in how you use your mind. There's a lot of brain science and neuroscience behind this. So we really can design our reality by the things that we, you know, we, what we put in is what comes out. So I began thinking about like, well, what do I enjoy? And I stumbled upon the fact that I absolutely love travel. And so I'm like, wow, I love to travel. And then I heard a podcast where a guy talked about traveling and running a business. And I'm like, well, that would be cool. (laughs) And at this point in time, I was, um, worked for a corporation in the trash business. I was actually a trash lady. And yeah, you didn't know that about me. I did not know that. (laughs) Yes. I actually uh, have a commercial driver's license. I do too. 
Do you really? Yeah. Wow. So when, how did you use yours? What did you drive? I actually, uh, my dad helped me get uh, the, the driver's license, both for semi-trucks and bus. Um, okay. And uh, after college, I actually uh, drove a tourist bus for six months. And, but that's pretty much the only thing I've used it for. And I've helped my brothers out too sometimes to drive heavy vehicles, but uh, I haven't really used it in life. You haven't driven a trash truck ever then? No, I'm a commercial <laughs> pilot though. So I, okay. I actually flew cargo for, uh, let's see, 10 years. So I flew a commercial during the 90s here in the US, uh, flying packages. Wow, the things we don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I was in this role in this company where I was uh, managed teams of, of people from everything from the operations to maintenance to customers and pricing. And I really loved that. But what I loved about it was the people development. And so I brought, as I began to think, well, how could I build a life where I can travel and have a business? And at the same time, there was always this piece of me that was like, if I had had a guide or someone with me uh, through that really difficult period of my life that could have helped me understand it more quickly, yeah. wow, that would have been so great. And then six years ago, I met my first life coach. I didn't know really that life coaches existed. And I met her through a business program um, that and one of my employees had taken the program and then I became, uh, got to know this gal and she was phenomenal. And I began working with her on the business perspective as, as helping as a business coach, but then entwined in that was this, you know, what's your purpose? What's your passion? What are you doing here? Yeah. That really began connecting me deeper to this passion of helping women in particular um, really heal, connect, and grow to this next level. So what I was missing in how to do that was this piece of being a coach and the skills that being a, a coach gives you to help people navigate through that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's good. And you you work with women and uh to help them heal from emotional trauma and uh to to live their best lives. And uh, you're also very passionate about creating unlimited growth and role modeling uh and uh I think going through divorce, I think yeah, it's very very difficult. But it can also be one of the best periods in your life if you decide to turn this into kind of like a catalyst, a kick in the butt where you actually change direction and you have a lot of incentive to do that. And that's why I want the listeners to hear all these stories of people that have turned this misery, 17, what was it, 17 years you were married? Yes. 17 yeah. years of a lot of misery. I was uh, uh, married for 20 years, but it wasn't 20 years of misery, definitely not. It was maybe the last... Uh, five, seven years was definitely a, a difficult for different reasons. But uh, to be able to turn this around and make your life uh, an amazing life, a life that you do love, uh, and yeah. uh, that is so achievable. But uh, it just uh, uh, when you hear this as a listener, you know that it's possible. Both I have gone through it, 
pretty much every single person I've interviewed, including Vicky here, have taken this path of change. And uh, it's not something that you do overnight. It's one step every day. So you don't have to be overwhelmed. It's one, just one step at a time, but you need to have somebody to help you along because you have so many blind spots. I had so many blind spots. It is impossible to do yourself. You need to have somebody that's done this journey already to bring you apart, show you what steps to take, and then bring you forward on this journey. And it's a fun journey. I, I've never felt better in my whole life. Yeah, I would agree with you. And and I want to make one point right here is many people stay in a relationship that is unhappy or miserable because they somehow think that's what's best for their kids. Yeah. And I want to just say that you are teaching your your kids are listening to what they see. They're not listening to what you say. So if you want your kids to grow up and duplicate the kind of relationship that you have, then by all means, stay there for your kids. But if you don't want your kids to grow up and duplicate the kind of relationship that you have, then leave for your kids, but become the person that you do want them to replicate and duplicate. Because I can tell you, my kids have grown into awesome, amazing kids. I have gone through teaching my sons how not to treat me in a verbally abusive manner. And I, you know, because that's what was role modeled to them before I've gone through helping my daughter gain the confidence to stand up when people don't treat her respectfully. And today they're, they are really healthy individuals, but they would not have been that way if I had stayed in that unhealthy relationship for them. And if I had not done the work to change me and role model to them what I wanted them to become. Yeah. Yeah. I have a little bit different opinion and I think, I think that's very good to have different opinions and, and discuss it. Um, I totally believe that you should not stay in a, in an unhealthy relationship where they're toxic uh, and abuse. Uh, I'm for marriage. I want. Uh, I think that my marriage, uh, if we both could have worked through these issues, could have turned out really beautiful. But there was not two parties that wanted that to happen. And uh, yeah. I, I think that most kids would think, you know. There, there's a lot of research on this, and there, there's a huge trauma when you have a divorce. Either, even if if the divorce is uh, amicable, uh, your your kids experience a split and becoming two families, and it's very traumatic for kids to go through that, and that uh, that does leave uh, problems. And uh, I think most kids in a re- reasonable relationship actually want the, the parents to stay together and uh, you've heard many psychologists talk it's better for the parents to stay together if it's not any abusive stuff for the kids sake uh, now I understand people that wants to split up and I, I don't judge either way but I think it's probably better for for kids when the, ca- the parents can work it out 
Um, but like I said, I don't disagree with you at all there. And I think that if people would bring the con, like if I had the consciousness that I have now, if I had been able to take that back into my marriage things, I don't know if we would have still ended up together, but it would have been a much different journey. And I've even had women that I've coached because I coach women to, I don't coach women to leave their relationships. I coach them to change from the inside out. There you go. And there comes a point in time where you have to make that decision about, are you, are two people committed and growing this together or are they not? But bear in mind, many of the women that I work with also are coming from places where they are in extremely unhealthy relationships where there is a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of emotional abuse and many different um, aspects to that. But then I think uh, for people that want it to work, I think it's so important to have a coach like you to be able to guide them or a counselor where it's working with uh, old trauma where, for example, when you grew up uh, and me, for example, growing up in, in ways we all have stuff from our past. We're programmed, you know, from our past experiences. And if we don't deal with those things, we're going to have dysfunction. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one person bringing conscious change to a relationship can dramatically influence another partner who doesn't yeah. even want change. But just by the fact that another person changes, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. Just by so, starting to implement boundaries can do miracles exactly. in a relationship. Uh, and for example, if you have an abuse, like verbally abusive person, when you set up a boundary, you say, this is okay, but this is not okay. If, if this happens again, I will, um, I will move up to this place with the kids uh, until you can start uh, uh, having uh, a respectful way of treating me. So it's just <laughs> having boundaries, uh, will solve a lot of these issues. And the problem is people have to have the confidence to be able to implement Absolutely. And that's where I start working with all of my clients is building that confidence and that worthiness in themselves that one there, they have the ability to do something different. They deserve to have something different. And now they need the skill set to do something different. Yeah. So boundary, I didn't know what a boundary was. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell everybody, you know, read, that, that reading the book Boundaries with uh, uh, Dr. Cloud uh, and Townsend, that's one of the most amazing, most important books for anybody to read. Because when you have boundaries, that brings respect into a relationship. Uh, if you don't have boundaries and you don't implement boundaries, you can have disrespect, you can have problems, etc. So uh, then I have a, a question for you. So working with uh, a coach uh, and uh, somebody that's struggling with a toxic relationship, how does that work? You've already talked a little bit about it. Yeah, so they're, they're initially has to be a great emphasis on increasing their confidence to the point where they feel like they have control to be able to do something different. 
So generally I cross paths with those women when they are at that decision point of, am I going to file for divorce? Am I not? Or it's also maybe at the decision point where they become aware that what they're experiencing in their life isn't normal. Yeah. So that's, that's one of two places. And then the other place I cross paths with people is they've been out of a, an, a toxic relationship for maybe four or five, six years, but yet they still can't quite get things going in their life how they want them to. And that usually is because of the emotional trauma that isn't fully healed yeah. and they haven't they need to focus on fully healing that emotional trauma in order to really be able to release and move forward. I've heard it say that uh, what you project, you attract. I don't know if you believe in that, but if you're a broken person, you have a tendency to attract a broken person. And uh, if you look at the divorce rate among second and third and fourth marriages, it just goes downhill quickly. And uh, so if you don't work on yourself after a divorce i think you're gonna end up in a very similar relationship if you don't do the homework yourself and the problem is a lot of times you go through a lot of loneliness you you miss having a relationship and you you just run for whatever and get into a relationship and it becomes very dysfunctional so i think i encourage everybody to take time afterwards i've taken i haven't dated for two years and uh, I have just taken uh, a lot of times myself to feel good. And then uh, when I'm healed, when I feel that I can take the next step, I'm a whole person. I will attract a whole person. Right. I, I firmly believe that. And and how I teach that to my audience is that you attract a person on the same emotional maturity level yeah. as you are at. Now that's going to look, vastly different for each person. But I learned that after my divorce in a dating relationship, right after my divorce, and I could see some like, wow, this person is not emotionally mature. And then I learned this idea that you attract people at the same emotional maturity level. And that was like a, like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I don't like what's reflecting back to me in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it became a great motivator for me. And I have lived this it, and I lived this on the dating sites. If, I don't know if you've been out on the dating sites or not, but this has been, this is kind of fun to reflect this as my emotional maturity has increased it's reflected in what I put on a dating profile and actually reflected the type of people that responded to me on a dating site. Oh, that's interesting. So, I, you yeah. know, I, I, I started dating way too early. I started dating uh, pretty much right after the divorce papers were signed, uh, just out of loneliness. I was so lonely. I was uh, very much thrown into this. I was not prepared. I did not initiate the divorce. It was, it was definitely a hard journey but then after a year of dating i definitely uh, said now this is not i'm not dating out of the right reason and um, so i just stopped dating and uh, this is over two years ago and uh, it's been a very good pause but the thing is i don't know if i 
will ever go back into online dating. I, I did go into <laughs> online dating, but it's like, in a way, you become very overwhelmed. And uh, depending probably where you live, you live a little bit more sparsely populated. But uh, yeah. like here in Dallas, it's like, what is 7 million people? Uh, it becomes... Well, I think even, even in online dating, you have to have boundaries and you have to have a system or it does become overwhelming. And I didn't realize that in the early years. But if I am on an online dating site now, you know, a guy, I have a process where, you know, we're going to have some connecting communication. If the, if that's great, then it moves to a conversation on the phone. If that's great, it moves to video chat. That's great. We'll meet in person. There you go. So I have kind of this established thing because otherwise, and you find people who they want to just be your chat buddy forever after. And I'm not looking for a chat buddy. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I think building, and this goes back to one of the things we are going to chat about today is building these fundamentals in your life. Yeah. So the fundamentals of boundaries of what I call crucial conflict-free communication, which is this idea that you can communicate anything that you need to, as long as you have the skill set to do that and are respectful to the person that you're communicating with. We can have very difficult conversations yeah. and move forward from them. But if you don't have these, these, ex, these foundational skills in place, you don't have anything to build on. And this is where you see my Eiffel Tower yeah. in the back. Well, that is my, is my model that I work with everybody on. Because if you, the Eiffel Tower has four very strong legs. Yeah. And so, but let's say, let's take one of those legs away. What's it going to do to the tower? It's going to tip. Right? Ugh. It's going to crash. So, you know, when I work with people, they have to, we work on the fundamentals of extreme self-care. You got to know how to invest in, in yourself. We work on this boundary setting. Yeah. We work on the crucial conversations and we work on the mindset which you approach life with, which is wraps up what we've talked about with codependency and approaching, are you a victim or are you a victor? And when people get these foundational things in place, then they can grow them forward to every aspect of, of their life. So an example, the dating arena, well, I learned boundary setting is a foundational skill. Well, now I can apply that in the dating arena really easily yeah. because it's a skill I know yeah. now. So uh, when you talk about the seven levels of, uh, uh, what was the course you're uh, starting here pretty soon? Yes. So the course I'm starting is called Fundamentals to Reclaim Your Life. And it is uh, the course that actually helps people build that straw saw. Oh, my tongue is getting tied. Tongue twister. Yes. That strong foundation to grow on. Yeah. So it it's a four week course that takes them through implementing this. They get some video lessons and they get my one-on-one um, ability to coach with them in a group format and it helps them implement those foundations. And when did, does it start? Very soon, right? It starts November 10th. November so, 10th. Yeah, and like, like, that's the first day of our first group conversation together. So yeah. people have really up until the 9th to get signed up. And, cool. 
and uh, yeah. I will have a link to that in the podcast description below. But what is the yeah. the right the way to get a hold of you? Yes. So obviously with that link, they can go check out the class itself, but my email, um, Vicky at tslimits.com. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if you can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram, um, at transcending limits. So transcending limits is my business name. Yeah. And so Facebook, um, Instagram, send sure. me a message. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'll have that in the uh, podcast description below, so you can contact uh, Vicky uh, if you're interested in that. And what type of person would be the perfect candidate for that course? Well, it's anyone who feels like con- lack of confidence holds them back from accomplishing what they want. So it could be in the relationship arena. It could even be in the career arena. Like, you know, I'm not confident. I'm not enjoying this career I have, but I'm ready to, to move forward to something else. So um, any person who is at the space where they know they need to increase their confidence and trust in themselves and develop these foundational skills to the next place. So if you ever feel like you give too much yourself to other people, if you feel like you bite your tongue and don't say what you really want to say in a conversation, those are two really key indicators that you would benefit from this class. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think it's uh, so important to to have somebody that can walk this journey with you and uh, especially somebody that's also for me it was very difficult to relate with people that had not done the journey themselves I tried to explain it for for a few people my, my counselor said reach out to a few friends uh, that you trust and uh, I did reach out to about four people but it was two people that had gone through divorce that I could relate to I didn't feel that other people could really understand me and I understand that it's difficult to relate with somebody if you haven't gone through it yourself. And you have been there, you've done the yeah. journey, and you can show the way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the importance of, you know, you've expressed a couple times the importance of having in a coach or working with someone. I firmly believe that having a, a coach in particular, and I'll tell you what the difference is there, but helps you speed up your healing journey two to three times faster than um, than without it. And some people would never even get there without that coach. Yeah. Coach in particular. So I've worked with a counselor. I've worked with a therapist. I've worked with a coach. And there's appropriate times for every support person on the journey. But the key thing about a coach is, you know, we work in forward motion. It doesn't really matter. Like the moment you come to work with me, it doesn't really matter what has happened in the past because we're going to build in a forward motion. And when you hit an obstacle or something, then we're going to look at resolving that obstacle. And oftentimes that obstacle comes from something from the past. And I use a modality called a NLP or neuro linguistic programming that helps people like quickly 
release some of that trauma from the past and not even having to do it in a, like a, the traditional talk therapy way is, you know, spends a lot of time examining things. The modality I use helps people quickly release that trauma without having to go back to it per se. And that really exponentially springs people forward to their future. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's, uh, I've had people share that they've been on this aftermath of divorce, I usually call it, because it is kind of like uh, after the storm and you had to pick up all these things and trying to put your life back together with a bunch of bo- broken pieces. And uh, I've had people say it, they've been there five years, 10 years, 15 years, and they're still trying to pick up the pieces and make sense out of it. And I, I d- totally believe that uh, if you have a counselor, uh, counselor is mainly for to dealing with past trauma, uh, a coach or a mentor. I started getting a counselor right away because the court highly recommended it for our whole family. And then I, I quickly thereafter got a coach and a mentor. And that sped up the, the recovery, I guarantee you, many times. So I think yeah. it's, it's so crucial. So... Yeah, I once uh, I was traveling and it, there was an ice storm and I stopped at this gas station and this little old lady needed to get back out to her car and I, I helped her across the ice to her car and she was probably, I don't know, I'm guessing she's in her 80s. But the one thing that she told me between the gas station and her car was how her life had ended when her husband walked out on her, I don't know how many years before. And that just left me so sad for her because think about all the years of life that she missed out on because she never healed and picked up the pieces from that. And there's, I mean, life, I like, I love my life. I spent three weeks in Europe traveling with my daughter last summer. You know, I, I work at, flexibly from home now. And there's so many things that I love about my life today and getting through the healing part. Yes, it's messy. It doesn't feel good. There's some days that still feel messy for me. (laughs) And, but it's so worth it. So worth it. Now we're going to round off the, the podcast here and, uh, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any uh, ending thoughts to a person that is uh, in the position you were living this uh, um, not your dream life? What's the first step you you should take? Mm, Call a coach. (laughs) I think that's really good advice. But the, the first step is to realize that you have the power to change. Even if you don't know what you need to change, you have the power to go out and find the answers to those questions and then create the change that you want to see and be. And the only thing that can keep you stuck is if you don't take the initiative to, to go find those answers. Yeah. And uh, finding those answers can be uh, hard when you don't have people around you. And that's what I usually say. It's very uh, common. Pretty much every single person I've talked to uh, gone through loneliness, depression, suicide thoughts, 
And it's very easy to get stuck in those thoughts and, and being mm -hmm. by yourself. And being by yourself is not healthy if you just keep on uh, having these thoughts go haywire in your brain. And uh, it's difficult to break out of that without external help. And that's why I say to, to get a friend, to get a counselor, get a coach uh, is so crucial and why I say it all the time. Uh, reach out to a friend uh, to have somebody to talk to and share. And uh, one of my last interviewers, uh, Tersi, she shared something I thought was very powerful. Her sister was her uh, best friend that she could share with during the divorce uh, initially in the first year. And uh, her sister would say when they started talking, yeah, do you want me to be the coach today or do you just want me to listen? So she had two roles. Yeah. <laughs> powerful very powerful because sometimes you just need to talk and uh because it's it's hurting so much and then sometimes you want to have the coach uh that can actually speak into you and also this person this friend should not be somebody just says okay everything is fine it needs to be somebody that calls you out on your bullshit too yeah, that's that's why I say the danger of relying on your friends and family for advice and wisdom in this time set. I had a sister who was extremely a rock for me during yeah. that time. But I had other family members that I distanced myself from during that time because they didn't understand and, and the advice they were offering wasn't helpful. So you have to be very careful Absolutely. where you give your advice. And you don't want a friend who just gets in the mud and wallows with you. You Absolutely. want a friend who sparks you to look for solutions and to move forward and not just roll around in the mud. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Hey, Vicky, this has been so good to have you on the podcast. And I'd love to have you on the podcast in the future and we can yeah, do a deep, love it. deeper dive into these seven levels. It sounds very, very interesting. I want to learn more about that. Yes, let's, let's do it. I'm all for that. I've loved having this conversation with you and I look forward to being back again and sharing the seven levels of consciousness, which is really the map that I take my clients through from this space of unawareness to living a truly aware fulfilled life awesome and all you listeners i really appreciate you listening uh, please give us a call uh, you can uh, either email us on uh, rockinglifepodcast at gmail.com uh, in the description below you also have a link where you can leave questions you can uh, let us know what you think about the podcast i'd love to have your feedback what is good and what's not as good? What do we need to do better? What do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear from? I'd love your feedback. And we've already got a lot of good, great feedback. And it's so awesome to hear from you all. So you all take care. And All right. See you guys later. Bye.